verið velkomin í Strengi og Meðvi. You're listening to Strings Attached. I'm Asaf Maun. Do you know this feeling walking into a wine shop? There's so many bottles on the shelves and you have no idea which one to pick. You have to approach the seller and ask them, which one should I buy? Sometimes I have the same feeling with orchestra musicians. We sit on stage and you see many of us, but you don't really know any of us personally. In some of the podcast episodes, I'd like to shine a spotlight to some of the best musicians I know, and some of them also my friends, and help you to get to know them personally. So next time you see them on stage, you'd know to pick them out from the rest of the wine bottles. A quick reminder to press the plus or follow button in Apple or Spotify so you won't miss the next episode and others will discover this podcast. Hi Asaf, I'm uh, Ari. Uh, my, name, my, my full name is Ari Thor Wilhelmsson <laughs> and I'm from Iceland. Uh, I moved to Israel about three years ago, but uh, most of my life I, I lived in Iceland and uh, some other places too. And I'm a violinist uh, in the Israel Philharmonic. Take me back to the moment you took an instrument in your hands. Do you remember that? Do you remember what brought you to, to pick up the violin? Why did you do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I was five, my, I moved to the, to the United States with my parents. Uh, they, they had me very young, so they went to study their master's degrees in the, in the U.S. And I was five years old, and, and my mom decided to enroll me in a Suzuki music program. Um, in this small town where we lived in Carbondale, Illinois, in the middle of nowhere. And um, so she'd heard something about Suzuki and, 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 you know, she asked me, well, she didn't really ask me. I think she kind of just decided that the violin is, you know, is the most portable. <laughs> it's the easiest to carry around. You know, cello is big. Piano is, uh, can't fit in the apartment. So um, uh, she, yeah, she told me I would be starting music and, um, The first few months, I don't remember so much, but we didn't actually play violin. We had like a cardboard, like a carton little uh, oh, well, thingy, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and my mom had like some violin lessons. That's like the Suzuki method. The parent has to get, you know, get some skills so they can practice at home with you. And, uh, and then a few months later, uh, I, I, I got a real violin, like a, probably like a 116th, you know, tiny, tiny. Do you remember and, any moment that you had, you took the decision to become A musician and not just to play the violin yeah when I was about six or seven I'd been studying you know for a year year or two and um, I, I have this distinct memory of of playing Pachel Bill Cannon nice. okay in a huge group of, of, uh, of kids probably for like the Christmas concert or something like that and and you know I, I could uh, you know I was barely playing you know like a twinkle twinkle little star so uh, i i played like the cello line you know i was like the fourth violin or whatever <laughs> so we just played the same eight notes over and over again throughout the song and i remember this this feeling of being really overwhelmed with uh like all the sounds coming together and like all you know the music going on and and it really uh it really touched me this this moment i don't know if that well i well i still remember remember it to this day so i, I suppose it really affected me But when I was around 12, I knew that I would be a violinist. And it wasn't a conscious decision that I made. It was sort of like uh, maybe a realization of the inevitable. <laughs> and, and I never considered anything else ever. 
at this point when you're you're playing and and you know you like the music making do you play any music beside classical music could you listen to other kinds of music no I was a complete uh, classical music nerd <laughs> all through my teens I you know I would come home from school and and listen to uh, you know like LPs of Tchaikovsky violin concerto at Brahms symphonies and stuff like that and And, uh, you know, I, I remember like getting my first Walkman and then like the portable CD player, you know, remember those <laughs> and then you, you could take, I could take my, you know, Paganini, uh, Paganini Caprice's CD to school and listen to it there and be, think it was really cool. And I was really just the, <laughs> the big nerd, <laughs> but no, I, 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 I was not even interested in, in any, any other music at that time. Um, and interestingly, maybe what changed me. All of that was when I was um, was 22 years old and I took part in a in a world tour with Icelandic artist Bjork oh wow yeah she um, this was 2003 and um, and I was in this uh, string octet that was in her band so it was like a three-month tour and I played about 17 concerts out of 25 or so we went to All over we went to uh, all over the states uh, Canada we went to uh, Japan uh, Moscow st. Petersburg all over uh, Europe and um, and that was the first time that I you know because when they asked me to do the tour then they sent me some of her CDs so I can be familiarize myself with the music and so I like it was maybe the first time that I actively listened to To non-classical music and and I didn't know Bjork's music uh, really and and it was a big revelation and um, it was an incredible tour really experience that really changed my well changed my life in some way and and maybe changed my relationship to music in general so you're talking about Bjork and she's probably the most known artist coming out of, of Iceland what's it like What's the music scene like in, in Iceland? Is it, is it big? Do people play music? Is there a big classical music scene there? The music scene in Iceland is really big, uh, surprisingly big for such a tiny place. Um, first of all, it's very common for kids to, to play an instrument. There's a great um, uh, music school education system, music school system, public school. Uh, they're all public and and it's very common for kids to learn an instrument for a number of years you know play the piano through the trumpet or whatever uh, maybe you know you do three four five six years and then you quit but at least you you had some you know uh, you got in touch with music and there are so many bands there's a lot of um, uh, Icelandic bands who have become internationally um, famous and and do really well abroad in terms of classical music um, there's a very good symphony orchestra and And a beautiful hall right in downtown Reykjavik and um, the symphony plays about 10 months a year and uh, there's a small opera company there's a lot of choirs Icelanders love to sing nice so there's a lot of um, choirs but men's choirs children's choirs mixed choirs and um, so there's there's a very um, the classical music scene is, is very active as well a few years ago maybe three four years ago you came to audition for the Israel Philharmonic And both of us took the same audition, mm-hmm. uh, fighting for the same chair, so to speak. <laughs> I remember seeing you, meeting you for the first time, and I saw this joyous person. You know, you came, usually people are stressed out in auditions or during this time, and you were just smiling and happy. <laughs> and, you know, although we were 
adversaries, so to speak. I'm so happy you got the position because you brought to the orchestra something that is unique. You brought this um, good vibe, I want to say. So take me back to the moment that you decided to take an audition for the Israel Philharmonic, <laughs> which is way far from Iceland or any other place that you're used to live in. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember when we met, actually, at that audition, and you were very nice to me. You, I, I, I came and I didn't really, it was my first time like uh, in the building, I didn't know where to go, and you offered me your practice room, because yes. you had finished playing. <laughs> so thanks again for that. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and I thought, wow, what a nice guy. He just, uh, in the same audition, he gave me his room. So, <laughs> uh, you also have a very good vibe. So. <laughs> Thank you. But... Um, uh, I came here on vacation several years ago, and uh, it was my first time in, in Israel. Just kind of randomly chose to come to Tel Aviv for two weeks. And um, uh, I, I met somebody on this trip that I, I stayed in touch with. He's now my partner. And um, in the soon after I had met him, the, the orchestra announced this one-year position, which uh, I decided to audition for. And that's the audition where we, where we met. Um, I can, at the time I was living in Helsinki in Finland, I'd been living there for almost five years. So I was already living abroad in a sense, you know, I'd already made this decision, uh, in, about 10 years ago to, to move away from Iceland. So, um, when I, you know, I had met this, uh, my current partner and I saw this, uh, opportunity and I thought maybe this is written in the stars <laughs> or, or if not, at least it'll be, uh, an adventure. You know, if I get the job, I'll have a, how many people can say I had a, a one year gig in Israel, you know, <laughs> it'll be fun. So, uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just thought, why not? And I, I gave it a shot. And how do you manage to bring this good vibe, this happiness to let's put it in, in, a, in a tough word, work, you know, because we're actually playing, you're playing all your life, me too, and, and basically you earn your income by playing an orchestra. So how do you come to work and still continue smiling, being happy, enjoy music, if you enjoy it, I don't know. How do you do that? What's your secret? <laughs> I definitely enjoy music. Uh, and I, I feel very lucky that I'm able to make a living doing what, playing music which is something I really love to do and that's something I uh, I remind myself of um, uh, when I you know especially if I'm feeling a little bit down um, I remind myself how lucky I am to to be doing to be able to make a living doing what I what I do and that helps I think it, it uh, that, that sense of gratitude is um, is something that uh, makes you encourages you to feel well and um, be positive. Um, in general, I'm a pretty positive person, so um, I'm, it's not so hard for me to... <laughs> <laughs> to I love it. <laughs> we didn't talk about it yet, but you have such a interesting heritage. Do you think it's necessary for a musician to be what they call in basketball, all-around player? Do you need to experience different cultures in order to become a better person, a better musician? A little bit about my heritage, yeah. My, my mother is uh, born in Mexico. She's Mexican. Um, she and my grandmother moved to Iceland almost 50 years ago. At the time, my mom was, uh, was 11. Wow. 
And <clears throat> uh, my grandmother had, had divorced my biological grandfather, and, and it was just the two of them. And they're the first Mexicans ever <laughs> in history to move to Iceland. <laughs> Iceland was, uh, you know, it's tiny now, but it was, you know, even further in, in a smaller, in a sense. And there were almost no foreigners living in Iceland back in, you know, was this 1973? Um, so uh, my mom then, uh, of course, went to Icelandic school in Iceland. And, and in high school, she met my father. And so... So I'm half Mexican. I have a huge family in Mexico uh, that I've um, I've met on a, a couple of occasions, but uh, not too often, not as often as I'd like. Um, but uh, yeah, my grandmother has about eight siblings, and wow. and oh, you know, my mom has so many cousins, and and it's actually my my Mexican grandfather, who sadly I never met. Um, he was a pianist, and um, he comes from a musical family, and his grandfather so my great great grandfather um was a violinist and a conductor oh and he was one of the founders of the symphony orchestra in jalapa interesting yes which is still um uh, playing today and has a very nice hall in the city of jalapa and it's uh, a kind of a dream of mine to to visit this orchestra someday i i really wish and i haven't done anything about it but I, i'd love to play with them sometime <laughs> you know just to come as like this is the orchestra my great great grandfather founded you know a hundred years ago it was in the 1920s so um um yeah and and in that family his wife uh, so my great great grandmother was a, an opera singer um in mexico quite well known at the time she was blind and um, when I was on tour in Mexico uh, with my former orchestra, Helsinki Philharmonic, we toured to Mexico in 2015. Um, I was walking to the hall and, and this man kind of calls my name in the middle of the street. I didn't know who he was. And, and uh, I was, you know, in Mexico, you, you should be a little bit careful with, you know, security. So I, I, I was not too keen on <laughs> speaking. <laughs> To this stranger, but he says, I have something for you. I talked to your mom and I have some documents for you. And I'm like, what, what didn't you talk to my mom? So he comes over and he takes this envelope. And one of the things he takes out is a concert program from like the 1930s wow. of my great, great grandmother singing. Oh, that's a fantastic story. It was incredible. And I didn't even, my mom, sort I, I guess, had forgotten to tell me, by the way, this, you know, <laughs> far away <laughs> uncle of yours is going to give this to you uh, for you to bring. So th that was um, an amazing moment. But um, I lived in the States uh, for five years when I was a kid. And then I studied there myself for six years in my 20s. And then, as I said, I've, I, I lived in Helsinki for about five years. Does this help make you a better musician i it's hard to say i guess it gives you more perspective i think we uh, we learn all the time back from seeing and hearing and maybe the more that you different types of things you you see and hear maybe help you to develop and so maybe in a sense yes it it can help you become a better musician um i remember Uh, the first time when I had just joined the Helsinki Philharmonic and we played uh, Sibelius, which was the you know national you know composer of Finland and in some ways a national hero, and the Helsinki Philharmonic was the orchestra that played premiered all of his symphonies. So there is a really deep tradition in this orchestra of how to play this music, and it was incredible to 
to be on stage with all these people who really, it was really in their blood how to play Sibelius. And I, I, coming from Iceland, where there's a, a strong Sibelius tradition, so I definitely played a lot of Sibelius on, before that, to come to really his home orchestra and play it was incredibly moving. And and I learned a lot from, from those years of, of how Sibelius is played, which if I hadn't lived there, obviously I wouldn't know. So I think, yes, you're probably right. It does help you learn and and develop your musicianship by by getting some experience abroad I used to have a a teacher in 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 Berlin in Germany that I don't know if the, the right word is a mentor, but you know, every time I had a question or I, know, I was feeling that I, I need to advance, but I don't know how, I would approach him, call him, and, and ask for an advice. So this is a double question. Do you have anyone that you feel that you can trust, that you can actually ask for advice in a certain point that you are, un are uncertain, even today? And secondly, do you free yourself to be approachable to other people to ask you such questions? Is it something that you do it consciously or it just comes naturally to you? Um, great question. Um, I was super lucky with, with uh, all the teachers, teachers I had um, growing up and, and in school. Specifically, the, I, when I studied with Almeida and Roland Vemos in Chicago uh, and also uh, Rachel Barton Pine, um, who I learned so much from, not only uh, on the violin and musically, but also uh, in, a, in a bigger sense of uh, what it means to be a musician and, and what kind of career paths there are out there and, and, and what steps to take and, and how to go around, you know, um, getting work. But I had two amazing Icelandic teachers, um, my teacher back back in Iceland, Gwendi Gwimmstofdir, and uh, my Icelandic teacher in the States, actually, Sibi Bernardson, who is a professor at Oberlin uh, Conservatory. And he's someone I can always definitely, I, I feel that I can always uh, ask for advice about anything because uh, he was in the string quartet for you know 18 years and is now a professor at a at a conservatory so he's really he knows the field you know he's he's been around he knows how it works he's had lots of students and uh, if there's anything i'm not sure if i i definitely uh ask him just what do you think about should, should do this or what I should, or if i'm not sure about something or ask for advice or i i definitely look to him and um and also because he's you know he's uh really he's still working he's at the height of his career in some ways so i find that very approachable uh, for, for someone like me. I, yes, I, you asked if I opened myself up the yeah, other way around, yeah. right? Um, yes, I, I, I'd like to think that I do, uh, both with my former students, who I'm happy to say sometimes uh, ask me for advice or tell me what they're doing and, or uh, ask me for recommendations or, or you know, I also make an effort to keep in touch with my former students and see what they're up to and if there's anything I can do to help them. Sometimes they play for me when we meet in Iceland. You know, it's good to hear how someone's doing five years, five, eight, ten years down the down the line. Uh, sometimes I consciously um, 
make an effort to maybe <laughs> impart some wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, you know, try to be, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, smother somebody. So uh, I, 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 I try to tread lightly. But if I see someone uh, who maybe I think is uh, might need some advice or seems a little bit lost, I, I might, you know, try to just have a conversation with them and, and see what they're doing and, and see if, if they'd be interested in, in any help or advice. And, uh, and, uh, usually they do. And, and I've had some, some nice, um, developments from that. Before we started this conversation, you told me something interesting about the number of Israelis, a number of Icelandic people living in Israel. So maybe you want to say that, but also talk a bit about the difference living in Iceland versus living in Tel Aviv? <laughs> At the moment, as far as I know, there are eight Icelanders living in Israel. Um, some of them have been here for a long time and have children. So I'm not counting the kids. Um, but yeah, eight uh, full-blown <laughs> Icelanders, <laughs> so to say. Um, and uh, there used to be others who've, you know, some moved away and... Uh, And, uh, yeah, we have a little, uh, Facebook chat group and we meet up sometimes I've, I've hosted a few get togethers at my place. And then we'd, you know, we have a nice evening and we speak Icelandic and uh, <laughs> speak about Israel in Icelandic, <laughs> <laughs> which is nice. Um, first of all, it's very different to live in Reykjavik and Tel Aviv. Um, the most obvious thing is the weather. Obviously the weather here in, is, is great all the time. And in Iceland, it's pretty shitty all the time. <laughs> In Iceland, you know, you usually have to spend a few minutes getting dressed before you leave the house, even in the summer. Uh, here you can just go out with flip-flops, even in the winter, or at least I do. <laughs> only you. Uh, maybe only I do. I see I see people wearing, you know, thick coats and scarves when it's December, and I'm laughing because it's like 16 degrees. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that that's you know, the biggest, maybe obvious change for how it just affects your daily life. You know, the, the weather is a big factor, and, and you sort of don't realize that until until you either until you have it or until you miss it, you know, how, how much that affects, uh, affects daily life. So that's, that's been a nice discovery for me, um, to live in such a warm place. There's one thing that I noticed when I moved here, which was different from Finland actually, and which reminded me much more of home is that there are, there are kids everywhere. There's, there's so many children, uh, in Israel and it's the same in Iceland. There's kids everywhere and everybody has kids. Everybody has lots of kids and they bring them everywhere. Um, kids are like a, a constant, um, being a part of, of life. And, and that's something I really like walking around Tel Aviv. You see, um, uh, so many kids and, and kids are a normal part of any situation. And it's also, for me, it's very nice to see so many gay couples having kids And, um, so I'm happy that that's something that's, I think Icelandic society and Israeli society has definitely in common, that there's a big presence of children. You know, if you look at Scandinavia as a whole, you know, uh, Scandinavia is the Nordic countries, you know, tend to be very organized. You know, do you think of, you know, disciplined, they're very planned, everything is, you know, kind of functions as it should. In the context of that, Iceland is like the the bad little brother, who you know, <laughs> which is kind of similar to Israel, maybe. <laughs> in some ways, exactly. You know, we we try. We have this goal of being, you know, like our Nordic uh, cousins, uh, where everything supposedly is so perfect all the time. But we 
and you know we somewhat succeed but definitely not 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 to the full extent and and things in Iceland tend to be slightly unplanned a little bit chaotic and you know the the kind of national motto of 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 Icelanders is tatarattast which means it's all going to work out somehow and you know believe it or not it always does <laughs> <laughs> and i i feel this is also uh, an element of uh, israeli society that you know things aren't always you know we 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 have this idea that it should be in some way but it's not really decided and then in the end it it somehow works out but uh you know with some frustrations along the way so that's something that's that also is a bit similar in the in the two places but um I I really Israeli people are are on average um much more boisterous and and loud and could even say aggressive than your average Icelander and that's something uh that uh, has um good and bad sides of sure. course yeah. uh bad side maybe is a uh, uh, just from a daily perspective is traffic i you know i i walk around town a lot i i live close to work and and the the constant honking of it's just drives me crazy i still didn't get used to it even in after three years but um something that i like about it is is how you know israelis are very expressive and and that's something that is amazing in a concert after the concert when people just just there's this outpouring of of um of joy from the audience you know if we played well exactly <laughs> it's, it's not it's not the same every time it's not automatic but you could really tell from the audience's reaction how they felt about something that we played and that's really usual or you know hopefully you as often as possible very very gratifying as a musician and um Icelandic audiences are perhaps more res- well not they are more reserved it it takes a lot to get that kind of reaction from an Icelandic it can happen but um but you are more likely to get a a, a polite applause you know if <laughs> instead of uh something negative I like to finish my episodes my conversations with a recommendation for something for the audience for for the listeners And you mentioned at the beginning that you were kind of classical music nerd. So I thought maybe you would like to recommend a piece that was maybe went through your musical life with you or something that you would like the listeners to you know think about while they they think about Ari. <laughs> I definitely recommend listening to some Sibelius symphonies or um even Sibelius uh short pieces for violin and piano which are there's so many of them and they're fantastic music Sibelius has his his own sound world it's really magical and sometimes strange a little bit coming from the outside but but when you get into it, it there's really nothing like it so thank you very much to Ari Wilhelmson I know I learned a bit about Iceland thanks to him If you have any questions or comments about this episode, feel free to do so on the Facebook page Strings Attached Podcast or shoot me an email at asafpodcast at gmail.com. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, send it to a friend. I'm Asaf Maoz. Next episode of Strings Attached is up in two weeks. Strings Attached